Thank you for joining us at Praise Chapel Paramount. We hope you enjoy this message from our midweek service with Pastor Rob Santiago. Also, we'd love to hear what God has done in your life. To share your story, email us at info at pcparamount.org. Again, we hope you enjoy this message. I like to get up here a little bit early before the worship team ends, so when you guys clap, I feel like you're clapping for me, if you guys didn't know that. It's a little tip to make yourself feel a little bit better about being up here for the, for the, next, for the next hour and 45 minutes. Let me just pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for the opportunity to speak your word. I pray that your spirit would begin to use me to minister to those that came to hear your word. Father, I ask that you would be with everybody in this place, that you begin to speak to their minds, and that you would enter their hearts, Lord, and that you would speak to them individually about yourself, Father God. And we just thank you and we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to start this sermon with a story, because everyone tells me they like my stories. But I told this story. I'm running out of stories, guys. Okay, I'm running out of stories, so, you know, you might get B-plus content pretty soon here. I'm just letting you know that. All right, but anyways, um, I realized when I accepted Christ and I got really serious about, about my spirituality and, and just seeking God, I had, went on a business trip uh, to the Middle East, and I was in a, a country called Qatar, if you guys know it. It's about, it's about a half-hour flight from Dubai, um, and it's a very similar country, very rich country, and I was on there on assignment to be a sales engineer, if you don't know what that is you kind of just walk with a sales guy and you're the tech guy and you only speak when they ask you to speak because a sales guy needs to close a deal and then you speak and you come in to help out with any technical advice or, or anything like that to tell them about what they need. It's like a consultation thing. And I was there and um, I helped close this deal and it was an expensive deal. I'm not going to tell you the value of it, but I didn't see a penny of it, just so you know. Um, but I'm sure the salesman did. Um, but anyways, he took good care of me when I was out there and I appreciate it even to this day. But, um, I remember I was traveling back to my hotel room and I was going to leave the next afternoon. I was going to come back home and see my kids. I was excited. And I'm like, as I'm traveling, there's like, you know, you helped us close a, a big deal as I'm going back to my hotel. I'm like, yeah, cool, man. I'm glad you guys are happy, you know? cool, you know, my boss, you know, he wants to meet you. I'm like, uh, I'm leaving tomorrow. It's probably not a good time. Maybe next time, knowing I wasn't going to be there again, probably. But I was like, yeah, maybe next time. He's like, well, no, he wants me to buy you something. Is there anything that you want? And I'm like, I just want to go back to my hotel. <laughs> That's it. I'm hungry. I want to eat, eat some American food in my, you know, I was staying at the Hilton. And if you ever travel international, there's a tip for you. You can get your American food at an American hotel. But I was like, yeah, I just want to go back to my room. He's like, okay, well, yeah, you're different. And I go, what do you mean by that? He goes, well, you're not like the other Americans that come here and visit us. They always want to drink and they always want to party. And I'm like, is that what you're asking me to do right now? Like, you want to party with me? And he goes, no, um, 
he goes, but I'm, my boss told me to just get you whatever you want. Whatever you want. You just say the word. Now, if you didn't know this, um, I started to ask him because Qatar is a dry country. If you didn't know that, they don't sell alcohol in that country. And so I'm like, immediately, I perked my, I turned to him and I go, how can we party here? I asked him. And this is where it gets interesting. He goes, well, you see that building over there? I go, yeah. He goes, they have alcohol. And they got a bunch of other stuff. So just say the word. You can have whatever you want. And I'm like, is that a speakeasy? And I'm like, I've never been in a speakeasy. Immediately, contemplation reaches my mind like, I'm probably never going to be here again. <laughs> this may be my only time to go into a speakeasy. That's like in the 1920s in the, in the States, right? And I'm like, and I told him, no, just take me back to my hotel. Just, he's like, really? This is it? This is probably the last time I'm going to see you. And I go, I'm okay with that. I just want to go back to my hotel. I started to feel really awkward. And I'm like, whoa, this, is, this isn't good, you know. This is like Temptation Island over here. And I'm far away from home. I, I just need to get back to my hotel. And I knew right then and there that something was inside of me protecting me. It wasn't me. And I, I can't say like, it was like, oh, you just got a good brain. You were raised up correctly. And I really felt like my spirit was it was doing backflips inside of me during this. And yeah, I was having anxiety and I was kind of like, well, why do I feel this way? Nobody else feels this way and they have a lot of fun. Why do I have to feel this way? Right? And I I feel really guilty even having this conversation and even being offered such a thing. But I was like, well, you know, something was inside of me that night. I remember I went back to my hotel room and the only thing I did was call my wife. Uh, And I was excited about going home the next day. Fast forward to the next day. This guy shows up at my hotel room. He goes, my boss really wants to meet you, and he wants to give you something. I go, I'm leaving to the airport in two hours. Can you get me back here in two hours? He's like, yeah. And I get in the car, and I realize, what did I just do? He starts taking me into the desert. Oh. Everyone's like... (laughs) And that's the end of the story. I'm just kidding. Um, takes me into the desert. And he, uh, he takes me into this big, tall building in the middle of nowhere in the desert. I meet his boss, and his boss hands me a phone. And he tells me, you know what? You're a really good person. Thank you so much for closing this deal for us. He goes, here's a gift from us. And it's a phone. It's a really expensive phone. And he goes, it's an unlocked phone. And he tells me, I got you this phone because I know someone like you, you're going to go all over the world because you just have a great personality. And I remember that, and I have that phone till this day, and I take it with me everywhere I go because it's an unlocked phone. And if I go to any other country, I can get a SIM card, and it'll work, and I can call home. And I thanked God for that because it reminded me, Lord, thank you so much for protecting me. Thank you so much for, for just having your spirit giving me the anxiety and the conviction you know, and, and just trusting in you. But I want to start, to, today this sermon, I, I kind of titled it, It's Not Getting Any Better. And just, just bear with me as I say that. Because when I say it's not getting any better, I'm talking about this world. This world is not getting any better. And we are different. But I love my Savior. 
Because my Savior doesn't leave me. My Savior makes me different. My Savior had such a good understanding about today. Even though he's ascended into heaven, Jesus has had such a great understanding about today. The day I live in, the time period I live in, he talked about. And in 1 Corinthians, I'm going to start off with the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 9 through 13. It says this, it seems to me that God has put us, and this is the message translation, and I just want you guys to understand, I really like the way this translation puts this. It says, it seems to me that God has put us who bear his message on stage in a theater in which no one wants to buy a ticket, where something everyone stands around and stares at, like an accident in the street, where the, were the Messiah's misfits. Turn to your neighbor and tell him you're a misfit. Know that you're a misfit. Now you're just insulting each other. (laughs) Paul continues and he says this, you might be sure of yourselves, but we live in the midst of frailties and uncertainties. You might be well thought of by others, but are most likely kicked around. Much of the time we don't have enough to eat. We wear patched and threadbare clothes. We get door slammed in our faces and we pick up odd jobs at anywhere we can take to eke out a living. When they call us names, we say, God bless you. When they spread rumors about us, we put in a good word for them. We're treated like garbage, potato peelings from the culture's kitchen, and it's not getting any better. I felt like this translation really ministered to me is it's not getting any better. We can't have an expectation of this lavish life all the time, but our expectation should be, God, you are with me and I love you. It's a perception where I don't have to chase money. Amen. I don't have to chase money. I don't have to chase happiness because God is with me. Amen. This world is not getting any better. The political environment that we live in is not getting any better. You turn on CNN or Fox, it's not any better. There's constant division. Christianity in America is not growing. I think it was Omar that gave that great stat last week on Wednesday, just talking about how the youth are just falling away from Christ and they're not given any opportunity these days to even know about Jesus. But there's something different about us. We're the misfits. We've been... We've been the ones that have come to God and saying, look, I am a misfit, Lord. I am messed up. I'm beat up. But I know that you can provide everything that I need. Here's just some things. Abraham, everyone thought he was different because he was going to sacrifice his son. Noah, everyone thought he was different for believing in the earth was going to flood. Moses, different because he was adopted by an Egyptian princess and left a a life of royalty to rescue slaves. He pretty much became a slave. Jesus, he's different. A king who sits on the right hand of the father became a servant to us. A king that becomes a servant. See, God intended for us to be different. The kingdom of God is filled with these different things about us. It's completely opposite of what the world would tell you is good, right? We try to chase the fancier cars, eat at the freshest restaurants, have the coolest Instagram account, because that's what the world tells you to do, right? 
So when we try to chase that, we forget about even the simplest thing that Jesus loves us. And we need to just share that love. When I think about Christianity, I realize that Christ was crucified even though he did nothing wrong. He was right. What a just God we have. He was crucified for doing something right. We were all intended to be different. I'm here to tell you tonight, you were called to be different. Christ should make you different. When you accepted Christ, you shouldn't be in your old ways, right? You should be different, right? Have you allowed Christ to make you different? In James chapter 3, verses 11 to 12, it says, Does a fountain send out from the same opening fresh and bitter water? Can a fig tree, my brethren, produce olives? Or a vine produce figs? Nor can salt water produce fresh water? Anyways, you're supposed to be separated from those things. You are supposed to be separated from that bitterness. You're supposed to be separated from what the world is telling you to do. There's an understanding that Paul writes to us constantly in the New Testament that we need to be separated. We have something inside of us. He tells us about the flesh and spirit battle. Your spirit should be the one making decisions in your life. Amen? There are times where we have opportunities for new jobs, new friends, right? New career growth or new paths in our life or even just wisdom. We should be asking God for these things, not something where we say, God, I'm going through turmoil. You're invited now. It, be, it should be something that you, you should go to God and say, hey, Lord, it's me again for like the fifth time today. There's nothing wrong with that. Not like, hey, God, it's been a while, right? Is Christ really inside of you? So what are you producing? Why are you different? What makes you different? What has God put inside of you that you can tell somebody about? You know, I started looking about our church and how busy we are. I think it's awesome. Well, we have outreach, we have prayer, we have PCBI, we have, right? We have prayer again, we have church again, right? Then we have Friday, we have home fellowships, and then, you know, Sunday, we have two services. Saturday, oh, forgot prayer on Saturday, right? We're a busy church, man. And I remember, and I told Pastor Omar I was going to share this story with him, or about him. I remember I was asking him, like, I think we were talking about just growth, spiritual growth. I had like, and this was years ago, I finally had an opportunity to talk to him. And I said, hey, look, man, um, like what does it take to get on that platform? You know, like how do, how do I get up here, you know? And, and he goes, yeah, you, you, wanna, you wanna preach one day? I said, I'm kind of scared to, but yeah, like I see everyone else, like I, I think I could do that, you know? And he's like, okay, well, you know, number one, probably the most important thing is you got to be credible. And I'm like, what? I thought you were going to say pray because I do that. I read my Bible. Credibility? And I'm like, what, credible? What would it? And he began to expound on it. Credibility. And now I see it. I see it now. The credibility we talk about is credibility that Christ, you show that Christ really is changing you. And I know it's going to be a sore subject, right? But I know a lot of us want to be up here. A lot of us want ministry. We want to show off our spiritual gifts. 
we feel like, you know what, God, I, I could do this, I could do that, I feel you flowing through me, and I know if I just get out there and I have a voice, I know that you're going to move mountains, I know, and you're getting excited, and, it, and it's a beautiful thing, but where's your credibility? Because it's not something that like, oh, I have this, and that God has ordained me to do this, and I feel like God calling me to do that, that's great. Where's your credibility? We've had people walk into this church before and say, I want to go up there and preach, I got a word. It's like, whoa, it's your first time here. Like, excuse me for a second, but do you know about our home fellowships? Do you come to prayer? I'm going to park it for just a little bit. Do you know about our prayer services? You want credibility? You want a microphone? You want a voice so you can show your spiritual gift? Be at prayer. Because it starts there. You can clap for that. That, I didn't come up with that. You know who really taught me that? And, and he taught me that. And I appreciate him. And he's not here anymore. It's Pastor David Tianina. He taught me that. He taught me that. There was a time where people looked up to me and I would struggle even coming to prayer. I would teach God's word, but I wouldn't be at prayer. I would do all these things, but I wouldn't, do, I wouldn't be at prayer. I felt like a, a boat, like half of it was inside sinking and the other half was kind of sticking up, just barely holding on. And I realized, you know what? I'm going to be at prayer. And in, I've had some brothers that would tell me like, hey, you're going to be at prayer? Like, I don't know, man. <laughs> Home fellowship goes a long time, man. <laughs> and I'm not saying, guys, that you have to be at every single thing. I'm not saying that. But if you're not showing any credibility, you're not seeing any growth in your life, Christ is not moving you, you have no product of Christ coming out of you, and then you feel like when you walk in here, you still want the things of God, but you're not producing, come to prayer. Get some credibility in your life. Anybody can go out there in the street and start screaming for Jesus, and I, that's awesome. But when you want to start helping sheep grow, you want to start helping the kingdom expand, Helping these church walls grow. Being in ministry, it starts with your credibility. Sometimes we, we get in these ruts in our lives, and even people in church, I've been in church a long time, and we're bitter at somebody. We're mad, angry, upset, because somebody did us wrong. Somebody really got us. And they're making me look bad in front of pastor, have you ever said that to yourself, right? You know, and then we have this church hurt, right? And so you're, you're doing your ministry. It's a Wednesday night, right? Okay, I'm talking to some ministers in here that are in ministry. Then you're doing your ministry, whether it be ushering, sound room, whatever it is, at children's church. You're doing your ministry, and guess what? You have like this hardened bitterness inside of you. And so you're there, and you're, you're just like me. You're, you're that ship that was hanging. You, half of it's sinking. And you have this bitterness inside of you, and you're like, well, how come that brother gets to go up there? How come so-and-so is now leading this ministry, and so-and-so? And you start to, to start pick on the church a little bit. It's because you're bitter. It's because you got this bitterness that grows in you. And, and you know, it's, and I've seen it so many times, the scary thing about it is it's, it's contagious. You find somebody else with a bitter heart. And then you start talking about it. And you know what? I'm going to tell you, church. 
If you don't fix that, 99% of the time, you're out the door. You're out the door because you can't make things right. I remember one time, I was really worried about ministry. I'm, I just got away from my notes. I just want you guys to know that. So I got a lot of time too, so you're welcome. <laughs> I, remember, I remember church one time I was, um, I was scared to take on more, right? And the reason I was scared, I, I, I come to remember now, is because I wasn't prayed up. The church was growing, but me inside, I wasn't growing. My church was relying on me to do things, but I wasn't growing. And I was like, wait a minute, I'm not in tune. I'm not in sync here. I'm, I'm out of sync. Something's taking me out of sync here. What is it? Well, you probably, you know, all of us probably know, sometimes you got to heat check yourself and say, where am I at spiritually? You know, in this church, we're growing. And if you're not growing with the church, you could be on your way out the door later on. And that's the scary thing is, is we want Christ to grow inside you and grow with the church. Everything is for you guys. Everything is for the body of Christ. That's why he died on the cross. Everything was for you. Everything was for us. We did it for us. We, we work in ministry for our brothers and sisters in Christ. That's my favorite part of ministry is I know that if I can do a good job, I know I'll be blessing the person that's doing it with me right next to me. And it's so on and so forth. It should go on and on. It's a team mindset because you're, feeling, you're in tune. When a ministry is moving and, it, and it's growing, it is in tune. It grows together. But if, you got, if you're the one with that bitter heart, guess what happens? begins to crush that ministry just a little bit. Then it's harder to grow. And then, it, guess what? Then it's harder for these church walls to grow, for people to come, because that bitterness is just holding on. I've been through church hurt. I've been through it. But you know what I always told myself is I need to make it right. I need to have a conversation with that person. I need to talk to them. I offended them. And trust me, I have a mouth on me sometimes, man. I've offended a lot of people. You know, but when they tell me that I've offended them, I stop and I listen. Okay, there's, why? Because there's some reconciliation going on right now. And I don't want to be the one to say, well, I don't want to talk to that brother or sister. You know, she rubs me the wrong way. It's our personalities. Um, doesn't matter personality. Let me tell you, Christ died for everybody regardless of personality, right? <laughs> Credibility. Christ can give you that credibility, but you need to submit. It could be anything. It could be some bitterness that's harboring, that's keeping you away from what God wants to do. Yeah, you're, you got a zeal. Yeah, you got emotion. Yeah, you have all those things. You have all the right things. You, you're clicking. You're well-studied. You know the word of God, but you don't have any credibility. You, that can exist. You can be so smart and understand everything about the Bible. Understand all the theology. You can understand everything. You can understand from cover to cover, from the Old Testament to the New. The prophets, the law, Jesus, the gospels, everything in the Bible you can understand and have zero credibility in the kingdom of God. It's a hard issue. It's simple. Sometimes people like to overcomplicate it. But it's very simple. Love God, love people. If you can't do the second part, 
then there's no God inside of you. We are different. God wants us to be different. He wants us to love our enemies. No one can raise their hand in here and say, that's my favorite part of the Bible. I love all my enemies. But Christ said things like that. I was like, whoa, dude, chill, man. I don't like that guy. Why do I have to love on him? Somebody offends you, love on them. You don't like the way some ministry is, is being run or somebody said something on the pulpit that doesn't, you know, jive with your theology? Stop trying to correct them. Love on them. You try to correct people all the time. And, you know, I can come from a place and say this. Why? Because I, I'm a teacher. I say that with authority. But I've ran into other teachers. They try to correct everything. It's like, whoa, 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 hold on here. If your first thought is to correct people, you need to check yourself. Because your first thought should be to love them, not to correct them. But if your first thought is to correct people, learn to love somebody first. When you can love and connect with somebody with that love, then you can correct them. But everybody's trying to disciple without any credibility. Amen? This is... This is what Jesus says. Let me tell you what Jesus says. It's the Sermon on the Mount. Let me paint this picture for you. Sermon on the Mount, okay? One of my favorites, Matthew chapter 5. You can turn there if you got your Bibles. Matthew chapter 5. But he, Jesus kind of sits down. The Bible tells you he sits down on this, this hill, okay? And he begins to talk to the disciples. That's what the scripture says. He's talking to the disciples. And this is what he says. Look how twisted this is. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the, or blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Well, this sounds terrible. <laughs> blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. So I got to go hungry? Yes, you have to hunger for that, right? Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revel you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Well, that's terrible. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. It's a powerful verse because it's reminding us that we are blessed even though we're persecuted. We are blessed even though you're tired and we walk in here to do ministry. You are still blessed. You are blessed even when you are persecuted and you're falsely accused because of Jesus. He says, rejoice and be glad in those things for your reward will be in heaven. And this was ongoing. When I told you that Jesus knew about today, this is one of them. I'm like, dude, you, you're like, you know about the future, God. You know about these things. You know what I'm going through. You know I get persecuted. You know that I feel like this or I feel like that. You know, but you still want me to rejoice and be glad. 
if you're easily offended, if you're easily angered, these are things and these are tall-telling signs that you're probably struggling in your spirituality. But we're different. Even in those things, it, Christ's perspective was very different. You know, the world tells us to love this music, right? Do this, do that. Be edgy, be cool, right? You know, and it, it, there's just a bunch of trends that the world tries to tell you to and bring you in on. You know, I remember one time I was in high school and I had just accepted Christ as a senior in high school. And we were taking a picture. I think we were, we were it was like one of those goodbye, like senior, uh, senior retreats. So, you know, I went. And I remember my friends were like, Rob, come here. And they were kind of mad at me because I kind of disconnected from them. They just weren't that great of friends, you know, like they weren't good for my spirituality and I had just gotten saved. And so they told, you know, they're like, come here, take a picture of this. And I felt really good. I was like, oh, man, good. You know, because I've, I've kind of been like outcasted since I accepted Christ, you know, like they want me to take a picture with them. So I felt really warm and fuzzy. And so I'm like, awesome. Let's take this pic, man. So, you know, there's like, there's like 10 of us, you know, we're like, yeah, hugging each other. And then one guy goes, all right, stick out your middle finger. And I'm like dude, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to stick out my middle finger. Why not? I'm like, cuz, dude, that's stupid. <laughs> Why do you do that anyways? What are you, flipping off the camera guy? What are you doing? You mad at the person looking at the photo or what? But I'm like, why are we flipping off? What? Are we that cool? Can we get away with this? And I started to realize, wow, dude, I don't think like them at all. Why is this cool? How, and no offense to anybody that has one of those pictures, but you should probably check your heart if you like that kind of stuff. <laughs> the good old bird, huh? I guess it makes the picture better. <laughs> I just never understood it. If that's you, check your heart. <laughs> But church, this is part of proof, right, where the world's not getting any better. Like, why do we got to do these things, right? Even just things like that, you know? And if you guys need to know the end of the story, I did not stick out my finger. <laughs> that picture is somewhere, though, and you'll, I'll probably be the only one not sticking out my finger. Matthew 10, Christ says this, and you'll be hated by all my namesake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. It's a constant enduring. But then Jesus tells us in, in, in the Beatitudes, he just told us straight up, rejoice. Rejoice. Rejoice in those things. This is how he teaches us. He's preparing us. Look, I know like you're going to feel awkward. I know you're gonna, probably going to feel like you're, you don't fit in. You're the misfit. You're the misfit. You don't fit in. But rejoice in that. Don't let the awkwardness take over you to where you have to give in to what people want you to do all the time. You know? Uh, you know, I know at work, we're probably faced with the, the work outings, right? Team building. Sometimes team building is a little sketchy, <laughs> right? There's a big budget that needs to be spent. Team building. I've been in a lot of situations like that, right? Where people are just like, hey, have a beer. Hey, take this. Hey, do that. 
Just that temptation comes, you know, is all over the place. But Jesus prepared us for this. He prepared us for this. Don't feel bad for feeling weird about your spirituality. Yeah, you know, I, mean, I am different. I'm a misfit. Just love on them. They make fun of you, love on them even more. You know, I tell, I, I always say this, and I probably said it before. I just love the analogy. You're a punching bag. You're a punching bag. How tough are you? Can you take some hits? Or are you going to get all mad? Are you going to get upset? Because someone's persecuting just a little bit? Or somebody didn't say hi to you today? Are you going to get upset? How tough are you? Right? I'll be honest, I could take some punches. I could take a lot of punches. I've been here a long time. Some of you know I've taken some huge punches. Right? And they've knocked me back a little bit. But I've always said, you know what, i got to get this right because my heart is more important than, than my pride. My heart is more important than that. If your heart's hardened, that means Christ can't get in it. Simple. If it's too hard, he can't crack it. That's why it's hard. He can't crack it. He can't get into your heart. Matthew 5.13, Jesus says this, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under the foot. You need to protect yourself. That conviction needs to happen in your life. And it shouldn't be something where it's like, oh, okay, I just feel a little awkward. I'll just give in to it. No, you're different. You're a misfit. In this world, you, are, you should be a misfit. You should feel awkward when people start talking inappropriately at work. It should make you upset a little bit. But it shouldn't show, and you should still love them. Because what did I say? You love first, correct second. If you can love first, then you can bring correction. If you don't love them and they don't see that love, they're not going to listen to you. Everything Christ did was intentional, and it was even for today. I think about the upper room when Jesus was about to go on the cross, and he has his disciples over for the Last Supper. You guys remember that? And he says, I have to go. And they're like, no, don't go. Don't leave us. Everything that you've taught us, everything that you've preached to us, don't leave us, Jesus. You're our God. You're our Savior. Why would you leave us? Of course, they didn't understand. But he says, well, I have to go so that the Holy Spirit can come. And that was his whole purpose. And I think about my God. I think about he never leaves me. Well, other religions, they need to find somewhere where their God is made so that they can pray to it. See, God wanted to become what we call omnipresent. You could look this up if you want, but it's omnipresent. There's a purpose even to that. The omnipresence of God means that omnipresence means that he's everywhere at all times. It means that I can come to him even when I feel weird. When I just feel like Somebody's trying to tempt me or I feel like someone is trying to bring me down. I can go and I can pray to my God and I can feel better about it. I can ask him for strength in the most vulnerable times of my life. I could say, God, I need you. God, I'm, I can't believe this is happening. And I could be real with him. I could tell him anything I want. I don't have to go to some special place to do it. I could do it right here in my closet or in my car when I'm sitting in traffic. My God doesn't leave me. He left so he could never leave us. He's different. Our God is different. He's different in that manner. He's everywhere. 
At any time, we can pray. At any time, we can bow down. Amen? If God, if you invite God into you, he should live with you. Like I said, it shouldn't be something that you do like, hey God, no, it's been a while. Don't forget, you're a misfit. That's all right. He's not looking for title. He's not looking for how much you know about God's word. He's not looking for how strong your spiritual gift is. All he wants to do is get into that little hardened heart of yours. And he wants to say, you know what? You're blessed, regardless of any reason of why this heart has been calloused. You are still blessed. Let me show you. Read my word. And the Holy Spirit begins to work inside of you, breaks that heart, loosens it up a little bit. And all it takes is sometimes is a conversation with somebody to rip that bitterness out. Then you'll start to see yourself start to grow. Or maybe it's just you getting your, in your car on a Saturday morning, bright and early, to come to prayer. To feel the presence of God, not just by yourself. I know God is with you all the time. But you're with people that are praying, interceding. You're praying for others that need prayer, that are requesting prayer. Brothers that you, and sisters that you maybe not like. But you have to pray for them. That's going to do a number on you. You know? You're upset with somebody, like, and then one of the pastors go, hey, go pray for that brother. Like, what? I don't like him. <laughs> God, I don't want to pray for him. Anybody. Yes. Yes, you should be ready to pray for people you don't like. Right? I think I preached a sermon one time. And an old boss of mine used to tell me this because I would just freak out when something went wrong, right? I was young in my career, and you know, the, you know the panic guy? That was me, right? Like, oh, my God, everything's down. The whole system's down. Everything's down. We're, nobody can access anything. Personal records out in the web somewhere. And they're like, hey, stop freaking out. And he was a Christian guy, and he goes, hey. And, and people laugh at this, but he called me Bob. Do not call me that. And I worked in IT, and he'd say, Bob, he'd say, Bob, Lord's on the throne. And I'm looking at him, no, all everyone's personal data, everything, everything is gone. Bob, everything is okay. Lord's on the throne. I said, how's that going to fix this? How's that going to fix this? Right? Man, I was calloused. I didn't get it. And you know what? I just got my graduation from Biola University. I knew all theology, everything. I knew all that stuff, man. I knew about God. I knew about the Beatitudes. I knew about all this. But I'd freak out because I didn't have God inside. I wasn't thinking of Christ being inside of me. Yeah, you know what? God is on the throne, you know? And, you know, from a corporate standpoint, nobody likes anybody freaking out. Can I be honest? Jesus has made me a real, he's, he's done well for me in my career. He has. I, just the way I respond to people, the way I don't freak out, the way I've learned, yeah, it's from experience, but God is telling me, like, you love on everybody? Who doesn't love that? You see, walk into the work in the morning, good morning, how you doing? I'm doing great, how you doing? Good morning. Right? I'm doing great, man. Yeah, what'd you do today? I read my Bible for five minutes, and this is, why, this is why I'm like this. 
The Bible will do that to you sometimes. Read your Bible for five minutes before you run out the door. Man, yeah, man, God just begins to move even in the shortest amount of times. It's just about opportunity, giving him that opportunity so you feel that conviction, you feel that spirit, even bright and early in the morning. So you get to work and you say, you know what, God? Regardless of what happens today, you're on the throne. I give it to you. Somebody mad, somebody upset, God's on the throne. Let's figure this out. Come here. Let's talk. You're mad at me. Let's talk. You should do that to your brothers and sisters. Hey, I'm mad at you. I need to talk to you. I think I've told Isaac that, like recently on. Yeah, see? (laughs) I have relationships like that with my brothers. And they can do the same to me. So don't get all haughty. Like, don't be talking to me. I don't like you. Relax, bro. You're not that important. Okay? My life still goes on and so does yours. So let's figure this out. Right? Is this applicable tonight? All right. Can I have the worship team come up? Okay, now it's time for some, some business, guys. Some spiritual business some of you need to take care of. Right? Is that okay? I'm going to read to you something that Jesus, and I've read this before from the pulpit. It's just a little reminder for you guys. This is Jesus talking to his father. Okay? He's talking to his father. And you know, he's talking about the disciples. And this is kind of like the last conversation that Jesus has documented with his father in John chapter 17 before he's going to get crucified. And I love this, and it ministers to me a lot because it tells me what God really thinks of us as his disciples. I know I've wanted to be a disciple of Christ the moment I read this. It's in John 17, verse 14 through 19. It says, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them. For they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is the truth. As you sent me into the world, I've sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. Christ wants us to be like him. He's made it very clear in that scripture that he wants us to be just like him. He says in verse 18, as you sent me into the world, I've sent them. For them I sanctify myself so that they may be sanctified. When I say that Christ came to be a servant, he truly became, he came to be a servant. And this prayer that he gives to God, up to God, and, and he's praying for the disciples, he's doing that just for you. See, he knew at this moment that he was going to be put on a cross. He was going to be crucified, beaten. He knew that. And he still prayed that prayer. And he prayed it for everyone. I like my God because he doesn't leave me astray. And he intercedes for me. When I feel like I have lost all control. And I feel like, yeah, I'm a misfit. And I don't belong here. Or I don't. I don't fit in with everyone else. I can still whisper to myself a little prayer and know that he's with me. I know that I'll be hated sometimes 
because I do speak the truth in love as Christ tells me to do. But I still love everybody. And in a moment, I could still love them because Jesus loves me. And I want to encourage you guys tonight with every head bowed and every eye closed. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.